0: Hey, what's happening, good people? This Gift here for Pay Us No Mind. And today we're talking about how many streams does it take to be working poor, basically. Now, I mean, we're going to talk about more than that, right? Because we're going to talk about career assessments and just work through that, you know, to kind of analyze things to some extent, right? Now, for those that don't know how this usually goes, I, I run my mouth for about 15, 20 minutes, the topic at hand then we get into the live chat without further ado good people let's get to the topic at hand right i think and i'm no no economist so i'm not gonna i don't know whether i am entirely accurate right in what i'm categorizing here right but from what i understand right i think in america working poor is about $30,000 a year. I mean, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but let's say you wanted to make that, right? If you wanted to make $30,000 a year from your music, right? From streaming alone, right? Across multiple platforms or really, let's say across Apple Music and Spotify, right? $30,000 a year across Apple Music and Spotify. Uh, When you look at the average amount, right? If you combine crunch the numbers between what you would probably make on average from Spotify and what you will probably make on average from Apple Music, you will probably be looking at around 4 million streams a year, right? So it would take about 4 million streams a year to make $30,000 a year, right? So that breaks down to about, or really over, over 4 million <laughs> streams a year. So it would take over 4 million streams a year to make $30,000 a year. And that breaks down to about three, over, really, over 333,000 streams per month. So you look at it, you say 333,000 333, plus streams per month is what you will be looking at to reach that goal of 4 million streams a year to reach the goal of $30,000 a year right so you assess yourself and you say okay well how far are you from that right and this is where the importance of bookkeeping comes in play right and 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 looking at your data and knowing how many streams you get per year you know because even things like estimating how much is going to cost for you to get there right when you look at it and you say you take the amount of money that you spent combined on marketing and advertising and promotion and things of that nature and you divide the amount of money you spent combined on promoting your music and advertising your music and everything and you divide that by the amount of streams that you got so you combine the number of streams that you got from Apple music and title and all of that crunch them all together and take the amount of money that you made and divide it by that and If you spent a certain amount, you look at it, you say, okay, well, after I crunch all those numbers and I divide the amount of money that I spent, okay, well, it's costing me about 4 cents per stream. And then you take that 4 cents per stream and you multiply it by 4 million, and that'll tell you how much it's gonna cost you to reach that 4 million mark, right? It's gonna tell you how much it's gonna cost you to reach that 4 million mark. So you take the amount you spent you divide it by the number, your total number of streams for the year. You get that amount that you spent. That 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 you get the amount that it cost you per stream. Then you multiply that by whatever your goal number of streams are, right? And in, in this scenario, we're saying you want to make thirty thousand. you want to make thirty thousand. That's four million streams for the year. So that's whatever that number that you got when you divided your amount the amount you spent by your total number of streams multiplied by the four million and that'll tell you how much you need to spend to get where you want to go right now the other things that that factor into it are things like whether the streams that you got are sustainable or the way that you got them is duplicable right so if you got lucky so let's say right let's say somehow some way somebody bumped into your song and they put it on a playlist and most of those streams came from that one playlist that that song got on but you don't know who that person is so you can't get another song on that playlist and that person had the song on there for like a weekend and then he took it off you can't say okay well that's not duplicable you can't replicate that Again, you know, it was kind of like just something that you lucked into. So you say, okay, cool. Well, where are you legitimate? Now you might have to extract those streams from the equation and just focus on what you can actually replicate, right? What you can duplicate, what's within your your personal ability to be able to consistently do right? Because it comes down to sustainability, right? You want to make this money year after year because you want it to be your revenue. And that's where things like owning your audience comes in play because it's like, all right, well, do you have access to these people that are streaming your music to be able to get more music to them or to be able to figure out different ways to bring them back to the music they already looked at, that they already heard, you know, things like that come in play, man. Things like the algorithms on these platforms come in play, right? Because you can get on a playlist, right? You can rig the system like how some people do, where they might put their songs on a playlist that they make and put it on repeat and listen to it over and over again to make themselves a little bit of money every month. But the reality of the situation is you're not going to get that 4 million number without the help of the platform, right? Without the algorithms, without, you know, getting into the similar uh, similar artist sections, without getting into the artist radio stations and things like that, you know, let alone, you know, the bigger playlists, right? Like if you can't make it in there, if you can penetrate the algorithm and get associated with those artists, then you get those residual streams that you don't have to work so hard for. And those things are based on associations, right? So, You have a hip hop song, right? That's, let's say it's lo-fi hip hop. I listen to that hip hop song. It's okay. Well, he listens to hip hop. Which hip hop artist does he listen to? And then it's like, okay, well, he listens to Biggie, Nas, Jay-Z. All right. Maybe you get associated with those artists, but then it's going to look at Other people that's listening to your song, right? And it's going to say, okay, well, what do they listen to? And if I listen to your song and I listen to hip hop, but this guy listens to your song and he listens to rock and that guy listens to your song and he listens to jazz, then it's like, we don't know who to promote this guy to. So then it just looks looks for people who are similar in the sense of, okay, well, this guy has 10 listeners a month. I guess we'll associate him with everybody, every other hip-hop artist that has 10 listeners a month. And you get those uh, similarity rankings, right? Where now you are associated with other artists who are unpopular. So getting on their artist radio isn't gonna result in any streams. Getting on Discover Weekly of the people who are listening to them aren't gonna get you any streams, you know? So it's like the whole thing is you gotta target effectively, right? You gotta reach the people that are listening to the artists you want to be associated with, right? And then you got to get those people listening a lot, right? So you got to find people who are into your music because if that's the main thing with all of these streaming platforms. Bigger than the followers, bigger than playlists, and all of that other stuff is people listening, right? So if people aren't listening to your music enough, because they gotta be listening to it multiple times, right? Because that song has to be identified as something that that listener enjoys right? And them listening to it once is like, okay, well, maybe it's a fluke. The more they listen to it though, the more the or the deeper the connection gets. And then this, the platform takes it on, uh, takes the initiative of p- pushing that song onto that user through like on Spotify, it will be Daily Mixes, Discover Weekly, Release Radar, all these different playlists that they're going to utilize to keep pushing that song onto the listener. With something like YouTube, they have My Mixtape. And all of these different playlists and all these different ways to push a song on a user that they've identified as being a fan of that song. So the main thing is making sure people listen to the song and getting people to listen to that song over and over again. And that's where, you know, things like content comes in play, right? Because if you can... Let's say you put up a music video, people watch the music video, right? And they like the song, but you know, there's so much content. There's so many other songs out there. They just, for whatever reason, don't find their way back to it, right? So you come out with a lyric video. Oh, that brings them right back to it. Now they listening to the song again, because it's the lyrics now. Now I'm going to come and watch the lyric video. So it's like different ways to pull people to it. So before you come out with the music video, if you already got the song recorded, then you do an art track video, right? Where it's just the album cover and you release that official audio and get people listening to it like that. Then you come out with the official uh, music video and then they watch the music video. Then people say, Hey, I want to know what this song, then you come out with the lyric video and then you drop the lyric video and people watch the lyric video. And now three times. You've got that person to come back to that song at least three times if they didn't listen to it multiple times already, right? And once people listen to a song for at least three times, then they get stuck in their head, right? Then they start singing it to themselves, humming it when they're not even thinking. They're in the supermarket, in the grocery aisle, and they're like, oh, they're singing that song like, yo, who did? whose song is that? Like, oh, that's the homeboy song. And now, you know, it's there. You know, penetration is there, you know? So yeah you, you you gotta develop a system man you know you gotta have a, a a schedule almost you know with this thing if you are trying to do it legitimately and trying to like uh build an audience and 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 get somewhere with it right you know and I mean, yeah man, when it comes to those streams that streaming revenue and that kind of and, and and reaching that kind of number, you know unless you just want to like depend on luck right you got to you got to kind of start analyzing man crunching these numbers breaking it down you know i mean this is the type of stuff that i do you know for the artists that i work with i chop those numbers up i'm analyzing i'm estimating i'm trying to figure out what the projections are you know where we might be next year the year after next year you know those types of things got to take place man you know uh and like i said again it comes down to your record keeping you got to keep your records right you got to know how much you spent on your music you know marketing and advertising and even if you haven't spent music if you spent time right keep because people don't recognize right we all say time is money but I don't think we recognize how much time is money you know because if you look at it right let's say you work a job and on your job you make $20 an hour or $10 an hour even right you look at how much time you spend promoting your music online for free right be it You on Instagram uploading videos, you know, uh, messaging people, things like that. You on SoundCloud spamming people, whatever it is you're doing. If you look at how much time you're spending, and you multiply the amount of hours that you spent doing whatever it, whatever it is you do to promote your music online, by the amount of money that you get paid at your job, that'll tell you how much you've spent. On marketing and promoting your music even if you're doing it for free you know what I'm saying you look at how much you get paid per hour and you multiply that by the amount of time you spent promoting your music and you say okay well I spent 30 out 30 hours I make $10 an hour like damn son I spend that oh, no man oh you know and yeah man those things help guide you because when you are looking at a lot of for a lot of us man we kind of overlook time so For a lot of us, the realization comes when we look at the money, right? So you look at how much uh, time you spent determined by the amount of money that you could have made, you know, from that time. And you say, damn, I I, could have made around $3,000. So I spent, really, you want to look at it like that. You spent about $3,000 marketing and promoting your music, right? And you say, okay, well, what did I get from that? You know, and then you take the amount of streams that you got and you divide it. Or you take the amount of money that you spent, you know, based on those estimations from how many hours and how much you would make per hour, right? And divide that by the total number of streams. And that tells you how much each stream was costing you, you know? So it's different pathways to to do the estimation, right? When you are doing free promotion and when you're doing uh, money-based promotion, you know? But you want to know how much you're spending and how much per stream is costing you to know where you want to, to know how much it's going to take you to get where you want to go. And then beyond the listeners and the streams is what you call acquisitions, right? And what acquisitions are is basically a method of maintaining constant contact with the people who are consuming, right? Be it an email address, be it a follow on social media, you know, be it a remarketing list. It's having some pathway towards re-engaging those users. So if you got on radio, right? And you got a whole bunch of plays because you got on radio or a playlist or something like that, but you don't have, an, have direct access to those people, then it becomes more difficult for you to duplicate because you basically got to reconnect with whoever put it on the playlist for them to playlist the next song, you know, in order to reach the audience that he has because he has that audience. That's his audience, right? You don't control them, right? So the streams, you're dependent on that guy that playlist. Right, and then you can't upsell because all he's doing is playlisting the song. So what if when, what what happens when you want to sell merch? What happens if you want to sell concert tickets? All of that type of stuff now is pretty much out of the question because you don't have no access to those people. They stream in and they're just like a faceless mob. You don't even know who they, who they are or how to reach them, how to connect with them. Right? So acquisitions become vital right? And how much is costing you per acquisition, things like that, right? And you get acquisitions through, you know, things like pre-saves and save and follows and things like that. So this year, I want everybody to kind of focus in on the data, analyzation, and really bringing themselves to a point where they're like, you know, basically on a pathway towards making a living off of their music, you know, not just some chump change, you know, where, you know, you could pay your phone bill or something like that, but actually making a living and being a working musician, you know, if that's something that everybody want to do, if that's not your bag, that's not your dream, that's not what you want to do, then then fine, there's, there's nothing I can do about that. But for those that want to be on that pathway, that's what I'm kind of like, want to focus on this year, you know, because I mean, you got platforms like YouTube, right? And YouTube with their compartmentalization now with YouTube music and splitting your channels up into topic channels and vivo channels and all this other stuff, right? All of it is really pretty much now it's about whether it's basically about what type what what type of a career you're building, right? Hold on, let me see something. Yeah, it's about what type of career you're building, right? Because if you're building if you're building a career, right, where you are gonna be selling merch and you're gonna be getting people to concert, concerts and touring and things like that then ownership of your audience becomes critical because you've got to upsell them you got to communicate with them you got to do all those things right and things like having your own youtube channel and maintaining it becomes vital because it's accessing that but then the challenge with that is content right because you got to be continuously uploading content really you don't right is because you could just upload something and whoever gets it gets it and you built like that so there's a difference between that right but if you want ownership of your audience and you want to, because for the purpose of ownership of your audience is to upsell them. And if you want to upsell them, then you need ownership of your audience. But if that's not your bag, right? And this is the thing, right? You got to have, be real with yourself, right? Because if I say, okay, well, you know, you want to sell merchandise, you want to do touring, everybody like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I want to sell merchandise. I want to tour. But realistically right now, you know, they have no merchandise and they're not touring and they don't have any plans to, they don't have nothing lined up, nothing is set up to tour. There are no merchandise set up. So it's like focusing on that doesn't make sense, right? Especially with a platform like YouTube, because to do that on YouTube, you're sacrificing revenue. YouTube gives you, it's an ultimatum, you know, it's a choice on YouTube, right? You can either focus on building an audience on your channel and sacrifice revenue if you you don't reach the monetization threshold, because now you have to build up to the point where you meet the monetization threshold and the build up until you meet the point where you reach the monetization threshold you're giving away the same thing as you're trying to sell so you're giving away the music for free because don't get it twisted you're giving away the music for free man because they have all the access that they need to the music. They can listen to it however much they want. They can playlist it, you know. So they don't need to go to Spotify or to stream it or Apple Music or buy it from iTunes. They got all the access that they need on YouTube. So you're giving them that access. They almost, it's almost like they own it. So you're not going to get them anywhere else streaming where you earn money. So you're basically giving away the the, the, the revenue or giving up the revenue in exchange for access to the audience. So if you're not gonna upsell them, then you're not gonna make any money, (laughs) you know? If you're not gonna upsell them to merchandise and stuff like that, then you're not gonna make any money. So if you're not doing merchandising and you're not doing touring and that type of stuff, then what the better pathway for you will probably be to upload your music videos to Vivo, right? And do Content ID right content id uh, or really art tracks right where you let your distributor your digital distributor upload your the uh, the art track version of your song to youtube music where you make the revenue from people streaming your music on youtube music and to do vivo where you make money from the music video every stream you know because vivo pays differently than youtube even though vivo operates on youtube so those two things you would make money from your streams right but you will be sacrificing Ownership of the audience and access so You would make money, but you would sacrifice ownership and access right with Vivo and the art tracks Your own channel you have access and ownership, but you'd be sacrificing revenue right until you got 1,000 subscribers and 4,000 hours watched and that 4,000 hours watched is tough man, you know, because takes a lot of content, right? Most artists I know are not YouTubers and they don't want to be, right? They don't want to sit up in front of a camera and do something once a week on YouTube, right? They don't want to give people access to their process because a lot of artists, their process is private right? So they're not trying to bring a camera into the studio and be in there. It's like, I'm I'm in the studio, I'm in the studio, you know, and they do their own thing, right? So they're not continuously uploading content where they're going to be bringing people in over and over again to get 4,000 hours watched because it's not 4,000 hours watched overall. It's 4,000 hours watched in the past 12 months. So if you don't have 4,000 hours watched in the past 12 months, then you don't get the monetization, you don't reach the monetization threshold, right? So, like I said, again, man, you got to make some decisions, right? What What type of artists are you? What are you trying to do? You know, what are you open to doing, right? These decisions got to be, you know, made up, man, you know? and i'm working on a book too i started working on it today i'll probably finish it today i'll probably have it up later I'll, I'll uh for those that know about the community tab on youtube i'll probably post it to the community tab later today once i finish writing it i think i got like another page to do and it's about the, the book is basically about uh artists that don't want to be youtubers how to monetize your youtube channel when you are an artist that don't want to be a youtuber you know So it's like it it talks about that type of stuff and then it just gives you the pathway forward, you know, so you could do all of that stuff. So I'm going to get to the chat room. Right. I'm going to see who in here. I'm going to shout everybody out. Right. And then we're going to get to the questions and stuff, man, and, and see how that go. All right, good people. All right. See who in the building? We got uh, let's see. Daniel Roman was popping. Sunday's magazine was good. Spiritual was popping, man. Good to see you in the building, bro. Uh, well, who else is in here? We got uh, DJ bushy was good. Uh, we got David Brown. What's up? Grand Finale was good, man. Always good to see you in the building, bro. Digging Sounds was popping. Trap World, J. Good was good. And y'all can see me on my own computer screen. Y'all be watching myself and watching y'all keeping track of the chat room. Keeping track of the chat room, rather. Beats DDX was popping, man. I haven't seen you in the chat room in the stretch, fam. Was good, bro. CJ Harmon, happy new year to everybody that's wishing me a happy new year, man. Let's get it this year, man. Let's work it out, yo. King Nard, what's up? Mike P. Fitzpatrick, what's good, man? And thanks for the donation, bro. Much love, man. Los Beats, what's up? Them damn twins, what's up? God Wood was good. J Rego, my dude, what's up? J R Reynolds was popping. And Katra was good. Was good. Was good to the room. Was good to everybody. Like I said again, Happy New Years. I hope everybody Christmas was good. I hope your New Year's was great. You know what I'm saying? I don't, yo man, I don't know where you guys live in the world, but I know man, I grew up in New York, right? And on New Year's Eve, right you come outside and people got the glasses on right you know the glasses for the new year's right 2018 or whatever the new year's glasses they got the happy new year hats on you know people is walking they got their bottles you know on their way to the house everybody is like uh kind of like festive right it's a lot of festive new york is a hard city but you know it gets live you know so it's like you know everybody's festive and it's a lot of noise going on right i live out here man and i'm like yo It was dead as a doorknob on New Year's, man. Like like nothing. You didn't hear anything, you know? Heard a couple gunshots. That was about it, you know? (laughs) Word, man. Strange. Yeah, man, let's see what's up. King Nard said, Westside Harlem in the building. That's what's up, fam." Trap World says, GIF, I got a video on a big YouTube channel. How could, I, how could I receive revenue if I don't own the page, right? Okay, so you got a video on a channel, right? And you want to know how do you receive revenue if you don't own the, um, the page? You got to do content ID. You got to enter some type of content ID program, right? So you look at your distributor, whatever distributor you use to get your music into Apple Music and Tidal or whatever, and you look and see if they have a content ID program. And if they do, join it. And they'll basically scan YouTube for any music, any videos that have your music in it and monetize it and pay you their ad revenue for it. You know, so all of the streaming, pla- all of the digital uh, service providers now, you know, have a content ID program, so they should have one, you know, some are just more expensive than others. You know, I know DistroKid, man, they charge you uh, a, a fee per, per track or album per year, you know, for content ID. And on top of the per year, per track fee, you know, they take 20% too. So it's 20% plus a fee per track per year. You know, so that can be a bit expensive, man. With CD Baby, it's 30%, right? 30% for CD Baby. Oh, yeah, with DistroKid, it's 25% too, right? Oh, oh, is it 20? Yeah, it's 20%, I think, right? 30% for CD Baby. And with TuneCore, TuneCore takes 20%. You know, in Audium, you can do without a digital distributor, right? They're an independent company. They take 25%, though. They take 25%, so it's... Uh, Money that you have to pay annually to distro care, plus a percentage. The twenty percent is thirty percent with CD Baby, twenty percent with TuneCore, and twenty-five percent with Audium. All right. Grand Finale says, fun fact: composition and met and melody publishing don't take a long time. Your song has to generate roughly 200,000 streams per quarter, per platform, in order for your PRO to collect. Bottom line, get a hit. (laughs) Yeah, you need a hit, man. You need something that takes off, but I mean, you can also get there through catalog, right? Having a lot of songs that consistently generate streams. So if you have a lot of songs that consistently generate streams, right, then, You can get there. Right. But the bottom line is that those songs got to penetrate those algorithms and consistently generate streams. So if you advertise or you promote your music and you get a few thousand streams when you promote and as soon as you stop, everything plummet and it's dead as a doorknob and you're not getting no more streams, then, yeah, you're going to have a tough way to go. The song, the music has to stick. Right. You have to be building something. If you don't have like if you don't get a few streams from a few people and then be able to get more people and build on those people and get more people and build on those people, then, you know, then you are in that realm of, yo, you need a hit. Right. You know, because if you actually building fans, then you can you can get there over time, you know. Yeah, man. Looking through these comments. (laughs) Lil Fling says, yo, caption makes no sense. Explain. What caption? You mean the title of the video, bro? I explained when I went through it all. At the top of the video, you might have to rewind, son, if you got here late. Digging Sounds. Digging Sounds says Song Trust does content ID. Yeah, they yeah, they do, but it's in beta. And I don't think it's like uh, it's it's too uh, effective, right? So you wouldn't use song trust for content ID now right now, right? You would probably use, you know, audio might be better or your distributor, right? Whatever distributor you use, they might be better for content ID right now than Song Trust. Song Trust is primarily for Publishing administration, right? Collecting your mechanical royalties and things like that. You know, you would use song trust for, bro. Scooby Da Vinci, what's good, man? What up, bro? Yeah, man. And for those that don't know, man, I launched the memberships program, right? The the pay as no mind power membership and 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 basic memberships, which I said like I I got to talk about it before, man. It's a membership group, right? Where, you know. The stuff that I'm talking about right now is basically going to be courses and articles and stuff like that that I'm going to be writing. And it's going to be almost like a a class, right, where we're helping the artists that are in that membership build up. To sustainable careers, right? Profitable careers, right? Taking steps and doing things and and learning how to analyze stuff, you know, to get where you're trying to go in regards to building a career for the artists that are about that, right? If you're not about that, then you know, then the group probably ain't going to be for you, right? It's like you'll be in there like, oh, this this guy talking about. All I care about is getting on SoundCloud. This guy just doesn't tell me how to get more SoundCloud streams. That's all I want to know. How to get more SoundCloud streams. You know, so if that's your bag and that's all you care about, then it's probably ain't going to be for you, man. You know, but if you're like, you know, really trying to build something and kind of run your career like a small business, you know, and investing, you're trying to look for the the right things to invest in and how to maintain your audience and how to re-engage with them and all of that type of stuff. Then, you know, the membership group is probably going to be great for you. Right. what you said Songtrust. Uh, YouTube monetization isn't beta, and I'm not sure if there's cons- if there, if, there uh, if there's considered content ID or not. Now, I mean, it's it's it is content ID, right? It's just not not good. <laughs> it just doesn't perform well, you know. And it's you uh, to be clear, Songtrust does two different kinds of YouTube monetization. You have the publishing aspect of YouTube monetization, and then you have the Content ID portion. The Content ID portion is paying you a percentage of the ad revenue. The publishing portion is paying you for the performance and the duplication of the work. So it's two different sets of royalties, you know? So Trust as the publishing administrator, they're collecting money from YouTube on your behalf for the performance and the duplication of the work in the form of mechanical royalties, right? And on the other side, you have the sound recording royalties that you get from the ad revenue, right? Which is, you know, 55% of the ad revenue, stuff like that. And that's what Content ID collects. So it's two different things, right? So you can be signed up with SongTrust as a publisher and they'll collect all of that money for you from YouTube, from the publishing end. And you can be signed up with Audium or something like that, to collect the sound record and revenue that comes. And all of that stuff I talk about, too, in the book, Everything You Owe, which you can get, you know, and it kind of explains all of that stuff, too. How can we get in contact with you? Jr. Reynolds. Yeah, I mean, email me, bro. mind at gmail.com. It's the name. Or the channel at gmail.com, you know, and you can hit me up, man. And, you know, whatever you want to, you know, you want to try to set up a consultation, you want to try to run a campaign, whatever you want to do, just let me know. You know, I'm also on Instagram at real underscore pay us no mind. You can hit me up there, you know. Another thing I wanted to talk touch on t- top, a topic I wanted to touch on too, man, was just like, yo, man. Uh, and I talked about this before, man. It's just explicit content. I keep reiterating to y'all how tough it is when your content is dirty, right? And with hip hop, right, it's a touchy subject, right? Because everybody's in the streets, right? So everybody want to, you know, be thugged out in their music and stuff. But listen, man, when you got guns in your video or the video is about drugs and guns and that's the topic and it's in the title and all of that other stuff, right, YouTube, it's going to be tough because you're going to have to basically build organically, you know, because you're not going to be able to advertise that on YouTube. They're going to disapprove the ad. If you try to advertise it on Instagram, they might disapprove the ad, you know, or somebody might see it and flag it, you know, and be like, oh my God, why is this guy waving a gun flag, you know, and then the ad get disapprove, you know, so it when you are putting that type of content in your music, right? Or in your videos and 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 a lot of profanity and stuff like that, right? You're boxing yourself in to a great extent, right? Because now you're kind of like relegated to world star and that piff and stuff like that, you know, and advertising and promoting your music through those channels because those are the platforms that don't care, you know. They'll they'll push that stuff, you know. But like YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, those type, they have guidelines, right? Strict guidelines. And then they have audiences, people, you know, who are of different backgrounds, right? Where you advertise and it might find its way to somebody like that. And they say, oh my God, what is this? And flagged and, you know, disapproved or hide the ad. And then they start costing you more money to advertise, you know, so yeah, you, those are things you got to consider, right? This is why people have album cuts, Right? those album cuts that they have, that's like the dirty stuff and the gritty stuff. And then they have commercial singles, right? You have the commercial singles and that's the joint that you're putting out to the world, right? To promote and advertise and stuff like that, you know, because it's clean and it's the stuff that most people wouldn't be offended by, things like that, right? So those are things that you got to think about, right? When you're thinking of music from a business perspective, you know, and not just, yo, okay, cool. Well, I'm just expressing myself because, you know, Marketing, it's going to be tougher. All right, Diggin' Sounds says he uses DistroKid. DistroKid, and this is why I keep telling people about DistroKid. They're a funny platform, man, because DistroKid charges you a uh, 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 annual fee per track, per year, plus... of the revenue that you earn from YouTube, right? But DistroKid uses Audium for their Content ID administration to run their Content ID program. So they don't even have to charge you that money. All they gotta do is just be like, hey, go sign up at Audium. Audium is free. They don't charge you anything, you know? So rather than sending you direct to Audium, they basically try to squeeze this extra money out of you to use a platform that's free. So it's like, yeah, man, yeah, use audio, bro. I mean, you know, use audio. All right, hold on, let me see what's up, y'all. Yeah, let me see what's up. What do you say? You say, uh, Dim Dan Twins says, uh, you still big up? One RPM, just recently signed up with them, watched one of your comparison vids, was turned on to them by you still, still, still feeling them out. Yeah, man. I mean, at the end of the day, one RPM is not bad, right? They have a lot of good qualities to them. But the thing that I recognize with them, right, and not for me personally, but from a lot of people's uh, comments that they had on them was their, uh, what you call it, uh, customer service is not the best, right? They take very long to respond to people, you know, so that's the challenge, With one RPM is the customer service. So it's like, as long as you don't have a problem, you probably never even experience that, right? You'll be okay. You know, but if you do run into a problem, you know, and you got to reach out with them and have them fix something then you know, it might be a headache. So I mean, it's not something that I've experienced, but I've heard a lot of artists complain about that. Grand Finale says if you spent any money on your music, it's tax deductible. Yeah, it should be right. If you got your receipts and all of that type of stuff, I mean, I mean even even if you don't, right? That's just to make sure. That's just to cover yourself if you get audited or something like that, man. But I mean, at the end of the day, bro. I mean, yeah, can't hurt. Yeah, man. Hold on, y'all. Yeah, man. So, yeah, you know, for this year, I'm telling y'all, y'all got to focus on, you know, really first, you got to assess whatever it is you got going on, and you got to find where the gold is, right? What's working for you right now? And, like I said, again, that takes some analyzation, right? Looking at it and saying, okay, well, which platform is performing best for me? Is it YouTube? Is it Apple Music? Because you have all of these different platforms and you want your music everywhere. People are consuming music because you don't want somebody to like, let's say, you know, you have your own store, right? But people like to shop at Macy's. So it's like, if you got your stuff in Macy's, then you get sales from Macy's, right? You wouldn't say, I don't want my stuff in Macy's because I want people to come to my store. Well, they don't want to go to your store. And if they don't want to go to your store, then you lose the sale. So you would rather get the sale, even if it's coming from Macy's, than to lose the sale by trying to force them to come to your store. So you want people or you want your music everywhere people are consuming music. So you, get, you don't miss nothing, right? You get money everywhere. But where you focus attention on, right? Where you send people because you can't control where people independently choose to shop that's on them you know they want to go to itunes they want to go to apple music that's on them but what you can control is where you send people right where you tell people to go check out your music you know where you focus on and where you incentivize people going to right so You look at it, you assess it, you say, okay, well, I make most of my money and I'm getting most of my streams and stuff on Spotify. So, okay, well, you focus on that. You try to incentivize that, you know, whatever, giveaways and competitions and all sorts of stuff to get more out of that and to try to uh, figure out ways to uh, get acquisitions from the people who are consuming your music there, right? So you figure that type of thing out, right? For some of you guys, Bandcamp might be a better option, right? Particularly if your music isn't something that, uh, is something that people are going to be streaming in large amounts, right? Because a lot of these streaming platforms like Apple Music and Tidal and Deezer and things, it's quantity based, right? It's not quality, it's quantity. How many people are listening to your music? It's not whether you have people who are fans of your music, it's how many, right? So if somebody got on TV and, you know, flashed a boob, And everybody ran to Spotify and looked them up and listened to their music, they make a lot of money because they get in a whole bunch of people streaming their music. Doesn't matter whether those people like it or not. It just matters how many, right? It's quantity based. So if you can't get massive amounts of people listening to your music, probably not going to make any money. But on a platform like Bandcamp, where the audience is different, right? Those are more so uh, fans of art and they have a different respect level for art right where they want to contribute to the artist and they want to make sure that the artist gets paid, and they want to make sure that the artist gets most of the money that they're spending. So those people overpay for music a lot of times, you know, and those people are it on their chest who they support, you know, like Bandcamp, they show their face. You know, if you go to a Bandcamp page and you look at the, it's had that tab, the people who support this, and then they got all of these thumbnails of everybody that bought the project, you know? So these people are, they operate differently. They give more money, you know, They they, they have a certain, a different commitment level they buy merchandise, they buy vinyl, you know? So if you have that type of clientele, you do that type of music, you do alternative music, you do folk music, you do alternative hip-hop music, you do underground hip-hop music, that type of stuff, you know, Bandcamp might be the avenue that you might want to go, you know? Because you might be able to make 10, 20 times what you're making from streaming on a platform like that, right? The main thing I look at it, and I say with a lot of artists a lot of times, man, is what people tend to trip themselves up doing is just mimicking what they see everybody else doing, right? Trying to do what makes them feel like they're professional artists, right? So like, well, professional artists go to the studio. Now I'm in the studio. I'm a pro pro now, you know? Professional artists... You know, uh, do PR campaigns. I'm doing PR campaigns. I'm a pro now. You know, oh, professional artists get interviewed on websites. You know, I just did an interview and I'm going to show it to my friends so they can be like, yo, look, 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 he's on a website doing it, getting interviewed just like the signed artists are. Never mind the fact that the only person that reads that website is the guy that wrote the article. Never mind that, right? Never mind the fact that. The guy that runs the radio station that charged you to play your song, he's the only guy that listens to that radio station. Him and his guests, his 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 co uh, his 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 uh, what you call it, like co co uh, people that host his co-hosts and stuff. You know, they're the only people that listen. So it's like you spend you can waste a lot of money doing stuff like that, right? A lot of money on appearances, right? Trying to look established, you know, cause it's like, Hey, I'm on a magazine. Hey, I'm on a website. Hey, I'm on a radio. And it's like, nobody listens and you're not getting fans and stuff like that. But you're hoping that people see that and think, Oh my God, this guy's going somewhere. Let me be a fan of his, you know, it'd be it's just a waste. So the main thing is to focus on what matters, man. You know, that's why I got that sign up here, right? It says, uh, don't do what makes you feel like you're doing something. But does, but does nothing do something that does something, right? Because a lot of people get caught up in that, right? They do things that make them feel like they're doing something, but it does nothing, right? Rather than doing things that actually does something, right? Because it's like the thing that, that they might be doing that actually has an impact and that's actually effective and helping their career, it might not manifest in external things that people see and will be like like the people that they know, their friends, their family might not look at that and be like, yo, he on his way, you know? But realistically, you're on your way. So it's like, would you rather realistically be on your way or pretend to be on your way and just be doing counterproductive things that are holding you back and preventing you from get, from getting there? And that's what a lot of artists do. They sacrifice actually succeeding and getting where they are to pretend so people can think they're, they're at. So it's no different than like in, in the hood, man, where you have dudes, man, where they got gold chains and they, they basically invest in the facade. Right? Yo, I got this chain, I got these clothes on, but I got no money in my in, in my pocket. I got no bank account. I got nowhere to live. I'm living with my baby mom. Or I'm living with my mom. You know, I got no 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 place to really, I got no house of my own, you know. They are in a bad way, you know. So it's like you don't want to be that, right? You don't want to be the, the the facade guy, right? You want to build something legitimate, right? So you gotta focus on what's actually getting you results, what's actually getting you fans, what's actually getting you sales, that's what matters. Everything else, pie in the sky, you know what I'm saying, pie in the sky, it's kind of like, and that's the thing with music, right, because it's so, it's the it's, it's so, the lines are so blurred between like music, like being an artist and being like the fantasy of it and like the reality of it, which is the business side of it, right, because it's like if somebody sells washing machines, right, and they hire me to advertise for them, right, if I come to that guy and I says, "Hey man, listen, we ran the ad campaign, the ad did great. You got 20,000 Twitter followers. You know, we got crazy engagement like you got 20 100,000 views of the video that we put up. You know, you got 16,000 likes and shares. You know, he's going to be like, "Oh my god, he's going to be pumped up." He're like, "Really? Wow. How many washing machines did we sell?" And then if I'm like, uh, uh, we didn't sell any washing machines. You know, we just got the engagement." It's like, "Well, you know, because he needs to sell washing machines. Washing machine, washing machines is what keeps his business running. That's what pays the bills and keeps the lights on. He don't sell washing machines and everything else is like whatever, you know. But with music, a lot of times, you know, people will say they run an Instagram campaign, they get engagement, people comment, and they say, well, the Instagram campaign did well. And it's like, yeah, but you only got 10 views from it. You know what I'm saying? Like on YouTube, you are advertising. to get people to watch your video on YouTube. You got 10 views there. You got 100,000 views on Instagram from an ad that auto-plays on mute and you're celebrating. For what? The ad didn't succeed. It didn't do what you needed it to do, you know? So it's like, you gotta focus on what matters, man. And for a lot of of y'all, man, you might not even need to like actually go into the studio and record a song, right? Because again, like I said, there's different lanes for everybody, right? For a lot of artists, man, you would get more out of turning the camera on, like investing in a decent camera, like a cell phone camera or something like that, like get a a Google Pixel or an iPhone or something like that, and you can get one of those through... Uh, you know, these are uh, cell phone companies. They have the, you know, annual, like a monthly fee or whatever, you know, where you ain't got to give $1,000 or, or whatever up front you know, you can pay $24 a month or something like that. Right. But you need to get a good camera and you can sit in front of that camera and put your talent on display. Because when you put your talent on display, you can build an audience and build demand and then give people a single, right. It's much tougher to promote, a song that nobody cares about and nobody's looking for when you know you have no interest, man. When you have a fan base and you have people who have interest, that's why you look at a lot of these artists that's taking off now, Alicia Cara or whatever her name is. I forgot her name, but the girl that made that song here. Uh, YouTube covers. Most of these artists that's popping off now, either they were writing songs for people already or they were doing YouTube covers or they went on a voice or something like that. They had some type of springboard, you know? So it's like, yo. A lot of y'all, like I said again, man, are just mimicking what you see established artists do or pro artists do. So it's like you're taking a lot of steps that you don't really need to be taking, man. You know what I'm saying? Like you could probably build up a bigger audience and get more out of if you rap just freestyling on Instagram, right? Taking industry beats, freestyling on Instagram, hashtagging it up. You know, things like that, tweeting at the per or or or, or, or at whoever's song you're freestyling over, getting his fans checking you out, you know, because people will because it's at, at the, it takes less time, right, to watch a 16 minute freestyle and to listen to a three minute song, right? So people. I have already got that in their head. So they're more likely to listen to a 16-bar freestyle than they are when they look and they say, oh, this is a song. I ain't got time for this. I ain't got time to digest this. You know, even if they have interest, they might be like, I'll get back to this when I can digest it, right? Oh, 16-bar freestyle. All right, cool. Some quick thing while I'm at the water cooler or at lunch break. All right, let me check this out, right? Different thing, you know? So you bring attention to yourself and you build up something, you know? It's like a lot of y'all, you know, that's doing the... um the license beat thing, right? With the non-exclusive licensing thing. I personally don't get the difference between rapping over a non-exclusive beat that you licensed and rapping over an industry beat. Really, because there's a lot of restrictions, right? You can't sell this much. You can't get this many streams. You can't perform it and get paid. You can't do that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, why pay for that, right? When at the end of the day, when you do that, There is no built-in audience, right? So you're paying for a beat that has no built-in audience, where it's not going to attract attention to you, and you're still at ground zero, and you got to invest in in marketing and promoting that song with that beat to get anywhere, and then there's a cap on where you can go from what you're marketing and promoting. So it's almost like betting against yourself, right? Now, you take an industry beat. The industry beat has a built-in audience. So you rap over something that Drake came out with. That's a hit. There's millions of people searching for that song every day on YouTube. There's millions of people that's looking for content around that song on Instagram. You cover that song. You remix that song. Hey, you bring attention to yourself now. Now you can build an audience, right? And build demand for an original song. Then once you have the audience, then you might not even have to pay for a beat. Somebody might see you and say, oh, God, this guy's nice. This guy can spit. Yo, son, let's work you know, come and y'all start collaborating. Then you got collaborations going on, right? Because now you bring something to the table, right? Now you got an audience. Now it's a an, an exchange, right? You know? And I mean, I don't want to knock anybody because I'm not, you know, I don't want to take no money out of people's pockets. People make a lot of money from licensing beats, man, you know? But I mean, at the same time, you know, you got a fair is fair, you know, and, and and a lot of that stuff is lopsided in the producer's favor. A lot of them, you know, they they do things in a way where it's like, hey, well, I get the most money from this, you know. So it's like they, they're they going to look out for themselves, man. So you got to kind of do what makes just make sense for you. You know, nobody is going to help you save money, especially at their own expense. You know, if you uh, are going to be drunk and sloppy and drop $100 out of your pocket, nobody's going to be like, hey, let's get that guy straight. People are going to be in the corner waiting like, mm, look, this guy looks like he's about to drop $100 out of his pocket. They're going to wait, wait for you to drop that 100 Hopefully, you don't recognize you dropped it and make your way out the door. Then they're going to step their foot on it and slide it on over, look around, pick that money up, put it in their pocket, and you just lost $100. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yo, man, you know, you kind of got to, you know. Like Akineli said, man, put your wallet in your hat and hold your head, man. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to a lot of these decisions that you make, man. You know? <laughs> Digging sounds. What's my. What's my thoughts on Song Trader? I mean, I don't know, man. I ain't got no thoughts on it. I mean, they seem like they're trying to connect a lot of different stuff together, you know, and I haven't done too much research on them, but I think it's better, right? If you want to get your music licensed by movies or film people, right? I think the better thing to do would be to Google what licensing companies and how uh people who make movies uh find music so you kind of got to think like somebody who's looking for music in a movie like a a a smaller film person you know you got to go on those message boards that film people be on you know and find what they're using and find where they're finding find out where they're getting their music from you know and then you go and use those platforms because i don't think you know a lot of people are getting songs licensed from Song Trader. I could be wrong, you know. I mean if anybody has got a song placed through them, you know, let me know, man. Tell me, you know. All right, Katra says, I'm having trouble. Getting my fans to donate to my Patreon. Should I let it go and stick to my mailing list for exclusive content? I mean, it's all in the type of clientele you got, bro. You know, and this is why I don't do Patreon, right? Because I know, right, you got to know what you're dealing with, man. You know, not everybody has the type of philanthropic audience that wants to give for the the sake of giving, to just say, oh, I support you so much. Here's money. You know, sometimes you have the audience that gives for value, right? Like, well, I'll pay for a book, you know, I'll pay for a consultation, you know, I'll pay if you're giving me something for my money, but I'm not just going to give you money just out of the, oh, here, just take it. You know, sometimes you don't have those types of people like that, you know, and there might be a small percentage of your audience that's like that and depending on the size of your audience that percentage might not equal a lot of people like i look at even people like a tim schmoyer right he's a big youtuber right when i uh because i do these types of things right where i uh check the the success rate of stuff like when i looked at his patreon right and i i Divided, you know, the amount of patrons that he had by the number of people that he had subscribing to his YouTube channel. It was like less than one percent of his audience that converted to becoming patrons. So it's like if you're dealing with like maybe point 80 percent of your audience and you have an audience of a thousand people or less, you know, that's not even a, a full person. You know what I'm saying? So you kind of got to look at that and say, OK, well, what's the success rate of this? You know, and the success rate are, are low. So it's like you it's not even you might want to just cancel that and suspend that and just focus on providing products that people will buy. And if they're not buying the music, then you got to start experimenting to try to find something that they will buy. You know, so it's like, OK, well, let's try. T-shirts, would you guys buy T-shirts? No, you don't want to buy T-shirts? Okay, let's try experiences, all right? Well, what can I do, you know? And I mean, even something like Airbnb, right? Airbnb now has experiences, right? Where rather than renting out your apartment, right? You could sell experiences. You could say, okay, well, I'm going to take you on, you're going to spend a day with me in the studio, right? And I'm going to take you to an open mic and I'm going to walk you through a day in the life of an underground rapper, right? And you could sell that on Airbnb, right? For like, however much, you know, and you could $30, $40 per person. And if you live in a place like New York or LA or any big tourist town, then you get all of these people that's coming from different countries and stuff, and they'll pay that. So now you could have like a group of maybe 12 or 13 people paying you $13 a head to just come to the studio, sit there, go to an open mic, you know, and just follow you around for the day as a day in the life of an underground rapper. armani son, what's good, bro? Good to see you in the building, fam. Big Banks Reed, what up, bro? Yeah man. Big Bank says what's your opinion on Repost Network as a distributor? I think Repost Network is really interesting, right? And I'm going to do a video on them too. I mean, there's certain aspects of it that I don't particularly fancy, but there's a lot of it that's good. And what's good about Repost Network is that they actively promote the artists that are in their network, which separates them from pretty much all the other digital distributors because all the other guys just take your money, you know, they take your money and you're on your own. But Repost Network, I see them actively like creating uh, Instagram videos and stuff like that to promote those artists and to get people streaming that music, you know? So they take steps to promote the artists, one, Two, they find a lot of deals, right? Like not just promoting your music, but they find like like sponsorship deals with brands, you know, where Heineken might be doing something or this uh, 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 brand might be doing something and they put, those, put the word out and they say, okay, well, uh, submit your music for possible inclusion in this playlist that uh, uh, Hyundai is doing, you know, and you get a nice check. From that type of stuff, so they're the only ones that I see doing things like that, those brand sponsorship deals and all of that type of stuff. So it's like with them and that man, there's 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 probably a lot of money, you know, involved in that, you know. Now again, you know, they have their monetization threshold, you know, that eight thousand streams per track and all that type of stuff. So you know, it, it's not like it's just open to everybody. But if you can get in, you know, what they're doing on that end with those brand sponsorships and stuff. Yo, that could be a nice penny, man. Yeah, man. what's up amani sun says do you know the average cut each distributor takes from the artist per stream i mean i don't think there's like an average right you know different distributors take different stuff right like cd baby take nine percent one rpm take 15 percent uh different people take different things man you know uh uh distro kid doesn't take anything right but they got a lot of fees, you know, for different things, you know, TuneCore doesn't take anything, but they charge you an annual fee, you know, per release, per year, you know, so either way, you know, a lot of times you end up spending money continuously to the distributor. It's just how the money is is being spent, you know, and also the cap, you know, so it's like with CD Baby, that percentage-based fee, if you don't make money, then you come out better because you don't, basically lose money unless you make money, right? So it's like 9% of whatever you make, you don't make no money, you don't lose no money. But if you do make money, you can end up spending more money because 9% of thousands of dollars equals a lot of money, right? But with TuneCore, right? $50 for an album, nine ninety nine for a single, right? If you don't make no money, then you got to give them $9.99 at the end of the year when you didn't make any money. But if you make thousands of dollars, then it's thousands of dollars minus $9.99 as opposed to thousands of dollars minus 9%, you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, man, you kind of got to look at it like that, man, and do the math. And that's where things like I was saying before, bookkeeping, keeping track of your sales and stuff like that come in play, right? To do the estimations and say, okay, well, here's what I usually sell. And here's how the life, the lifespan of my music, right? Like once I finish advertising and promoting a song, like months after that song has been out, you know, it's consistently generating this number of streams where per release I'm making about, you know, uh, $300 per year or something like that right to know you know how much you're gonna make from that song to make a determination on whether it's gonna be most profitable profitable for you to go through CD baby or most profitable for you to go through TuneCore core or something like that DJ Bushy says how many months or years do you have to wait to see your first mechanical royalties? I think it's about like a year, man, or so, right? So I would say like a year and a half, maybe uh, two years to just to just be safe, on the safe side, right? So, you know, maybe a good two years, bro, before you can start seeing mechanical royalties. Yeah, man. So, I had a fun time. I hope you did too, right? I'm going to get on up out of here, man. I appreciate everybody tuning in today, man. Uh, First pay us no mind of this new year, right? 2019, you know, again, we got links to books and all of that stuff in the description box. I got another book coming tonight. So, you know, make sure you check that community tab, you know, and listen, man, it's consultations. It's memberships. If you're trying to get it, let's get it together, bro. You know? You can hit me up at pay us no mind on Twitter, at real underscore pay us no mind on Instagram. Pay us no mind at gmail.com. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, click the bell icon, all that good stuff. This is GIF signing off. Pay Us No Mind.